With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Welcome, fight fans, to the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world here on Block Talk Radio. This is episode number 55, where we discuss all female boxing here on blocktalkradio.com. My name is Felipe Leon from theprizefighters.com, and with me, as always, also from theprizefighters.com and a number of other uh, publications, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good. Thank you for asking. It's a little rainy down here in way, way Southern California in the San Diego slash Tijuana border. It's raining. It rained all day. I don't know if it rained over there in in the Riverside area where you find yourself, David. Was it raining? Okay. So we're in the same boat. We're on the same boat. And tonight, following our tradition of having great interviews with some of the biggest names in female boxing, last a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, on our last show, number 54, in case you didn't uh, get to uh, listen to it live, you can go back into our archive here on Block Talk Radio forward slash two minute round and listen to our exclusive interview with none other than the number one pound for pound champion in the world. Although some people try to dispute it, I'm not going to name names, but um, <laughs> she's 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 uh, almost almost by everybody considered the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Cecilia Breckhus was with us here uh, to promote her fight coming up on December 8th, which we'll be discussing a little bit more in detail later on in the show. And tonight, we have a very special guest. Um, he's not a fighter, and it's not a woman, but it's none other than Lou DeBella, our 2017 Promoter of the Year here on the Two Minute Round and on the prizefighters.com, a, a, a promoter who has been in the fight game for many, many years, began at least uh, the biggest, before he became a promoter, his biggest claim to fame. He was a, the boxing executive for HBO Sports, basically ran the program. Was it in the late 80s, early 90s, David? That's when the developer was running it? Uh, I think it was in the 90s. I'm not positive. Yeah. I and I will, we'll, touch, we'll touch a little bit on that because there is some questions on that. And... Um, and now he's a, a promoter, and on his stable, he has a number of fighters, including Melissa Seville, a friend of the show, Heather Hardy, a WBA super middleweight champion, at least in Napoleon, uh, the Serrano sisters. I mean, he has uh, 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 Shelly Vincent. He has a lot of the fighters out of the East Coast where he is based out of, but he's out here on the West Coast. He's a lead promoter. 
for this weekend's fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury at the Staples Center. So he's going to be with us in about 15 minutes to talk all about female boxing and his view. One of the, the American promoters who supports female boxing the most, what did you say, David? Absolutely. He's probably the top promoter for female boxing. In the United States, obviously. I mean, Eddie Hearn's coming on strong, and we're going to talk about that as well. But he's not from the United States. He's from England, even though he is promoting here in the United States. So at least the the, the most active female boxing promoter in the United States, born in the United States, is Lou DiBella. That's without a question. And he's going to be with us in about 10 minutes. But before we go there, let's step back a little bit and press rewind and talk about some of the fights that happened in the last couple of weeks. It was a little bit of a slow two weeks in female boxing. Before that, let me give you the number to the call in case you want to call in and talk about female boxing. 323-580-5735 is the number to call in and talk with us here about female boxing. 323-580-5735. But we're going to start back on Saturday, November 17th from La Plaza de Toros and Mexicali, Mexico. Golden Boy Promotions gave us on the Sticker Channel in Mexico. I believe it was also broadcast on being The main event after Diego De La Hoya was not able to, well, he didn't even get on the scale. He ended up uh, fainting a couple of days before and of dehydration and was pulled from the card. So Quines Estrada was immediately bumped up to the main event in Mexicali for the WBC vacant silver 108-pound title. She ended up stopping Venezuela's Deborah Rengifo in four rounds, um, dropping her uh, in the first round and dropping her again in the fourth round before the fight was stopped by the referee after a barrage of punches. So now Sinesa Estrada becomes uh, somewhat of a title holder. I'm not going to call her a world title holder because the silver title um, in that weight division in WBC perhaps doesn't mean a lot. We have a, a regular champion in Yesenia Gomez and an interim champion in Tijuana Skenny Enriquez. And now she becomes a WBC silver champion right behind those two women. And we'll see if in 2019, Sinisa Strada finally steps up and fights somebody in the top 10, David. Yes, uh, I know that her, her team is anxious to do it, but uh, I guess it all depends on uh, Golden Boy Promotions. They're uh, in the driver's seat and they're planning uh, her, next, uh, her next few fights. Okay, and uh, do you know if they're going to be early on in the first quarter of 2019, at least one of those fights? I would I would assume yes, right? Uh, that's what they were saying. They were saying that uh, she's slated for a um, match fight uh, early in next year. Uh, they haven't said exactly when. Um, it's too bad that she wasn't included in the New York card that's going to be put on in a couple of weeks because, uh, I mean, she didn't really have that much work to do uh, mm-hmm. last uh, couple of weeks ago. And it, and it would be expected that her fights would be broadcast in the zone since Golden Boy ended up signing a pretty good deal with them, along with the very lucrative deal that Saul Canelo Alvarez ended up signing with uh, that uh, app, the zone. So uh, we would expect that Sinesa Strada will be featured on that on that app app as long as other female uh, fighters under the Golden Boy banner like. Uh, uh, Maricela Cornejo, and when she does come back, Marlene Esparza, and maybe even face Sinis Estrada down the road, because that's a fight that a lot of people are looking for. Um, but Estrada on the 17th, you know, it was evident from the first round that she was faster, more talented, better boxer than Deborah Rengifo. Um, 
after the first round, she dropped her in the last couple of seconds with the left hook, and then and then dropped her again in the fourth round with a big right hand. Uh, I don't know if Sinesa Strata felt more comfortable being more aggressive against her people, whereas with other fighters, she's been more of a boxer and, and more of a mover. Or maybe she is now, after 15 professional fights and being more active, the most active she's ever been in her career, feels that she has the rhythm to maybe um, – you know, risk a little bit more, David, and, and try to score some power punches. Yeah, no, she's a wrecking crew now. I mean, she's coming in to kill. Uh, I've seen her in the last couple of fights. Uh, she just, she she seems to have found herself now, her comfort zone, and her timing is impeccable. I mean, she's mm-hmm. knocking out girls with perfect timing. So, I mean, she's ready. There, there's no holding her back now. Um, now, Rankifo did have a little bit of success in the third round, was able to be a little bit aggressive with Sinesa Estrada and score some punches. And it kind of brought something to my attention where if Estrada is in the driver's seat and she's controlling the action, she's controlling the distance, and she's, you know, setting the pace of the fight, she does very, very well. But as soon as the her opponent pushes a little bit, Estrada, not that she doesn't know what to do, but she doesn't have that good of a time. And we saw that against the Tex Mandy Fuentes, uh, what was it, about a year, year and a half ago, David, at the Velasco, where she said Estrada ended up being dropped in that fight. She she touched the canvas for the only time in her career, and it was because Mandy Fuentes was being a little bit aggressive. Uh, yeah, there's a good point to that. I mean, that's the best way to... to to fight a Sinisa Estrada because uh, otherwise, like you said, if, if she's in, in the driver's seat, then you don't know where she's going to come. Whereas if you're the one attacking, then you're putting her on the defense and you're in control. But uh, she's still very, very quick, has good defense, and she's an excellent counterpuncher. Yes. Now, the, the women that are in the top five, at least for the WBC, and we would expect that she would face one of them in the new future to – you know, win a title, they're all, if if not all of them, the majority of them are Mexican fighters and they're known for their aggressiveness and their toughness and for their going forward. So that is something that I think Estrada's team needs to look into uh, as far as that, at least what I noticed in, in this last fight against Deborah Rengifo and then the other fights that we've seen where her opponents have a little bit of a, of a, of success when they start pushing a little bit more. And obviously those other opponents that she's faced have not been in the top 10. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the only one that I would, well, the one that I would give her the most credit is uh, when she fought last February against uh, Anai Torres. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought she did very well against her and she's a very good fighter. And um, I, I thought she fought a perfect fight against her. Yes. And Anaya Torres, after, after that fight, ended up handing Luisa Bang, Bang Haddon her first professional loss back in March of this year. So, you know, she is a good fighter. She's been in some world-class opposition, not only Haddon, but other fighters. Now, on the same night, David, but on the Televisa channel, the competing uh, network in Mexico, again, we had two female fights going head-to-head on primetime uh, television in Mexico, Cines Estrada on the Azteca channel, and then Yvette La Roca Zamora defended her WBC 112-pound title against the very game Chaos Minowa of Japan, 
scores there were 97-93 three times, David. And Minoa began the fight very, very well, very aggressive, using her, her movement, her side-to-side uh, lateral movement, and then a very awkward punching in and out, scoring with the right lead right hands and then adding a left hook to it, where Ibeth really had some trouble in the first three or four rounds. And then Minoa ended up getting tired, and Ibeth Zamora took over and was able to score the first defense of her WBC 112-pound title. She won that title with a vacant title um, some months ago because the original champion, the champion, she didn't lose it in the in the ring, but she ended up uh, vacating it because she was she got pregnant. She had the baby already. It was Jessica Kika Chavez. So we expect her to come soon in 2019. She's had the baby. It looks like she's back in the gym and getting ready for her return. So we'll see how soon that fight can be made against Ibel La Roca Zamora and, Chau, and, uh, and Kika Chavez for that WBC 112-pound uh, title. Yeah, that's a good fight to look forward to. Um, I think uh, Samora's uh, maybe this weight suits her best. Yeah, she looks good. I mean, it was only four pounds from the 108-pound title. She ended up losing the 108-pound title against Esmeralda Moreno, who lost it a couple, maybe a month and a half ago to the new champion, Yesenia Gomez, La Nina Gomez. So we'll see what happens. But uh, the w, obviously the 112-pound division in the females, is, it's it's – it's always been an interesting one. There's always good fights to be made there. Another fighter, another champion, there's the WBO champion, Vadesteli uh, Muncino, uh, looking to come back in early uh, 2019. I had a little uh, short conversation with her on social media. She doesn't have a date yet uh, for her return, but she's, she's training, you know, soft training. So there's another fight that can be made at 112 pounds, and that will be a unification fight. And Samora and Jessica Kika Chavez, obviously big stars in Mexico, always fighting in the main events, always other fights are being televised. Now, on the 17th, it was a big night for female boxing because not only did we have Estrada winning that WBC silver belt in Mexicali, we had Samora defending her WBC 112-pound title in Mexico City, or not in Mexico City, in Puebla, Mexico, but we also had Clarissa Shields making her debut on the zone with the unanimous decision over Hannah Rankin. Uh, Shields was defending her IBF and WBA 160-pound titles, and she won the vacant WBC title, the same title that she was to face uh, Christina Hammer for, but we all know that Christina Hammer ended up vacating the title for some medical issues, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit, first, we're going to talk about the fight. Scores were 193 times. Shields did win all the rounds, but they were closely – No, I wouldn't even say they were they were close contested rounds because it was obvious that Shields won those rounds, David, in my opinion. But it wasn't like – but it wasn't a dominant performance. I mean, ranking wasn't a laydown. I mean, I mean, she fought. It's just that Shields was all that much better. Yeah, no, uh, Clarissa Shields is a whole level above her, Hannah Rankin, and uh, it showed. But uh, I thought this was Clarissa's most impressive fight, in my opinion. Uh, I saw her fighting much more professional, setting up punches, trying to get that knockout, taking her time. She wasn't uh, rushing and, and trying to outspeed her, uh, her opponent and, and throwing, a, you know, a, a speedy combination. It was more well-timed combinations. Uh, you can tell that her new trainer, John David Jackson, has has uh, kind of uh, 
slowed her down and made her aware of what you know it takes to be a professional fighter. I thought she looked very professional. And, and you you bring up a good point, David, because after the fact, she got a lot of flack from um, from the social media that she wasn't able to score the knockout, and that if she's what she claims to be, which is the greatest woman of all time, which obviously we had the conversation here before, and I don't think neither you and I have see her that way right now, but she claims to be the greatest woman of all time. So if she is the greatest woman of all time, that she should have knocked out Hannah Rankin, and she wasn't able to do that. And, and I think we need to touch on that subject, but we're going to have to wait to come back in that fight because with us now, I believe, is none other than at least the 2017 PrideFighters.com and this podcast, Two Minute Around, promoter of the year, Mr. Lou DiBella. Hi, guys. Really good to be with you. Can, can you hear me? I'm in a room with a little bit of back noise. Am I okay? Yes, sir. We can hear you fine. Uh, thank you for being with us, Mr. DiBella. My name is Felipe Leon, uh, here of the the two-minute round, but I'm going to pass you on now to our guest host, uh, David Avila. The, new, the, how the are great you? David Avila. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not even close. So, Lou, uh, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to get out of your promoter's duties. Uh, so, what prompted you to bring this heavyweight fight card to Los Angeles? David, I'm in, a, I'm in a loud room. I'm walking away right this second, and I'll be able to hear you. Oh, okay. Okay? okay. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Okay. Now, go ahead. So, so uh, you have this old Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight card going on. What, what prompted you to bring this heavyweight fight card to L.A.? Well, it really wasn't uh, so much any decision of mine. Um, you know, this was the date that was available for the fight, and there wasn't an adequate facility available in, uh, in New York or, um, or Las Vegas, and it's been a long while. This is a good fight town, a great fight town, Los Angeles. It's been a while since there's been a big heavyweight fight. Um, you know, and it's just, it, it, it's obviously, you know, it fits. The Staples Center is going to have a really great crowd in it um, on Saturday night, and, and we're going to get to see, you know, a huge fight of uh, huge significance, you know, a heavyweight matchup of two champions, the linear champion and, and the, you know, the WBC champion, the the best boxing heavyweight in the world against the hardest hitting heavyweight in the world. And, and I think it'll be a great show sort of made for Hollywood, you know, David. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so in your opinion, why is it taking it taking so long to get an American world champion again in the heavyweight division? I mean, we, it, it, you know, when the heavyweight division went from Tyson, Holyfield, Bo, Lennox Lewis, that era, um, it really went, totally Eastern European. It was dominated by the Klitschko's. And as great as they were, they weren't, you know, fighting in the States with regularity. They weren't um, pay-per-view stars. And, and we needed an American heavyweight to emerge. And frankly, the talent pool among American heavyweights was really weak for a, a period of time. And, Frank, and Deontay Wilder um, really is carrying the division on his back. Uh, in, in, this, in, in our country And, I, and you know it, That's why it's taken him a while You know to get the traction he should have I mean he's had a great number of defenses They've been sensational Performances He's the biggest puncher in the world His fight with Ortiz was as good a heavyweight fight As you're going to see Of significance between two excellent heavyweights You know the man should be 
you know, much more loved and getting a lot more, you know, respect and admiration in his own country than he's getting it, getting right now. But, you know, part of that Spock thing in the United States, we don't support our own fighters to the extent that other countries do. We, we spend a big portion. And I'm not objecting to this. I want to see great fights. But at the same time, mm-hmm. bringing foreign fighters who aren't great fighters in and giving them exposure um, on our television outlets and not paying attention to the best American fighters or get, giving them their due, um, that wouldn't happen in Great Britain. That doesn't happen in Germany. You know, in Great Britain, they're televising Commonwealth titles and UK titles. And it's all about British fighters. In the United States, it's about the best fighters in the world. And, and you've been a big proponent for women's boxing, and so has Deontay Wilder. Um, was there enough room to put women on this card, too? Or, or was it already predestined um, that you know, had a Frankly, the undercard wasn't my decision. I would have really liked to have put uh, a woman on the card. I, I proposed it. But, you know, a fight of this magnitude. Um, and, and, by the way, you also have a, you know, you have a U.K. fighter with, with a promotional company in Great Britain, you know, Frank Warren. Um, he, they needed mm-hmm. to put some of their fighters on. Uh, Deontay's brothers on the card. There were four fights on TV. There, you know, I I I, I proposed a woman's fight. I have I, I have a um, a young woman that I promote who uh, is a terrific fighter. Um, I think uh, one of the best female prospects fighters out there, um, Raquel Miller, and she lives mm. in San Diego. Has a big following out here in Los Angeles. I would have liked to have put her on the card, but you know, it just, I just couldn't make it happen. Um, but I got to tell you something. I, I, I'm a real, I'm a real believer in what I'm about to say. A terrific woman's card on every fight card. It, it, you know what? It's the least we can do, but it adds an element to the card. It adds, you know, it, it brings in some people that wouldn't otherwise maybe pay as much attention. And if, you know, if you can showcase high quality women's boxing, you know, the best female fighters in legitimate fights on a card, you're doing that card a great service. You know, uh, this Clarissa Shields is about to fight Hermans, you know? Uh, Alicia Napoleon fought Hermans in the last fight before television at the Barclays Center on a, a major Showtime show recently, and it wasn't televised. And frankly, Alicia beat Hermans almost every round and won the title. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that this is one of the reasons. The fact that it's still not even, you know, a natural thing to have a woman's fight on every card, though I have to say this for the PBC and for Barclays Center, almost every card we've done in the last three years at the Barclays Center has had a female fight on the card. Um, and I hope, you know, I hope, I hope that continues, whether or not I'm promoting the shows. You know, I hope that there's a female fight on, on every card, and that's something I know that the Barclays Center felt strongly about, and I, I hope it's something they continue to feel strongly about. But what I'm about to say, I really mean, we need to have an all-woman's top-notch fight card on, you know, a, a major television outlet. And, and I, you know, I'm talking about a card that is nothing from top to bottom but women. You know, women in the, in the three or four televised bouts, and because, because of the two-minute rounds, which I, I'm, a, by the way, a, a, a firm believer that they should not be three-minute rounds, they should be two-minute rounds. Because of the two-minute rounds and the fact that women's fights go quicker, you can actually do four title fights on one card. So um, I'm happy to give you guys a little bit of a scoop, which is, you know, I'm in some meaningful discussions at this point about an all women's card 
that would take place in the first quarter of next year uh, on Showtime. And, and right now there are literally three unification bouts that are already um, being, being, you know, thrown around. Um, and, and who, are those fights that, that, who are the fighters uh, that you're discussing right now as possibilities for that all-female fight show? Well, it, it's not cast in stone, but I'll, I'll give you some, some fights that, that I like and I think are terrific fights for television because I really want to do a card that represents the best of women's boxing. Um, one of the fights uh, that has been kicked around is Franchon um, Cruz against Alicia Napoleon in a unification bout. Um, I think that's a terrific fight. Franchon had a big exposure on, e- on ESPN when she won the title. Um, you know, Alicia is hugely popular in the New York area and, and, and defeated uh, Herman and defeated uh, uh, Clarissa's last opponent, um, uh, Hannah Rankin also. So, you know, Alicia's got a good resume, and this would be a great fight, I think, for, for fans. Um, Heather Hardy and, and Jelena, the WBC champion, and you've got to help me with the spelling and the pronunciation of the last name. I think it's... Yeah, Majenovic, correct? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, is a great champion. She's a, the BC champion. She's been, you know, winning for a while and representing Canada. Heather just got Down a title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but I, I, Heather realizes that she's not a young, even though she's a new champion, she's not a young fighter. And, and um, you know, she wants to fight the best. And, uh, and you know, she's interested in that unification bout. I, I today reached out. Um, I have not yet spoken to Jelena's manager, but uh, that's a fight that I, I would like to pursue. Um, an, another fight that I think is an amazing fight, though it doesn't feature an American uh, woman, um, uh, Maiva Hamadouche, the, 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 uh, the 18-pound champion uh, you know, out, out of France, uh, who's considered one of the pound-for-pound best women in the world. Eva Wallström from Finland is like her rival. Like That's the big, big fight in Europe and in, in the lower you know, women's weight classes. And it's a really evenly matched fight between two, two like very, very accomplished champions. And I think that would be also a kind of fight that would elevate the card. Um, there's a lot of other possibilities, stuff that could be made that's interesting. I'd like to, you know, I, you know, I, I, Layla McCarter is an interesting woman that, that, that comes into the picture. Um, Raquel Miller, who I mentioned, is knocking on the door of a world title. So there could be a world title fight for her maid. Um, but I, I really want to see, I've, I mean, Stephen and I have talked about this for a long time, but I think now I've nailed them down, um, really nailed them down, because I, I think now is the moment and the time. And, and women have to start getting their own platforms as opposed to being um, thrown a bone on cards that, that, that feature only the men. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying women's boxing is ever going to be what men's boxing is. I don't expect that. I think that the, the pay for women's boxers can continue to rise and be more equitable, but women fighters are never going to make what the men make. The same way women basketball players in the WNBA don't make what the men make. Um, but they, they, they are entitled to equity and they are entitled to opportunity. And, and I want to tell you something. There was something major proven on the night that Danny Jacobs fought Sergei Derevchenko. Uh, on that night, um, HBO paid a fortune for the jacobs Derevchenko fight. And in fairness, they bought a very good fight. That was an excellent fight. It cost millions of dollars. Uh, the fighters were paid appropriately, and, and, and it deserved the millions of dollars. Um, but HBO got the rights to televise uh, the Heather Hardy-Shelly Vincent fight by contributing $10,000. Um, 
I mean, the mm. rest of it was paid wow. for by the, by the promotion. Okay, now wow. um, 500,000 people roughly watched the Danny Jacobs-Derevinchenko fight that cost the network millions. And 435,000 people watched Heather Hardy against Shelly Vincent for, ten, wow. for a contribution of $10,000. And so she probably sold about $30,000 worth of tickets. It's great programming. You have to make good fights. You have to make fights that are exciting. You can't have low skill level, and you can't have, honestly, you, you know, people don't want to see scientists when the men are fighting. They don't want to see men who run around. They certainly don't want to see women, women right. who run around. Um, and, and they do prefer to see punching power. You know, I think one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a Clarissa Shields fan. I don't know how you can't be, but at the same time, this GWOAT thing is annoying the shit out of me um, because <laughs> it just isn't true yet. You know, it's just not true yet. And, 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 and there are still things as great as she is she can improve upon. Um, you know, I, and, and, you know, I, I think, you know, that, that it's a wonderful thing that she's gotten the exposure she has. Um, and, and, you know, it's a good thing she'll be fighting on HBO. I, I, she should take care of, of Herman's with, 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 uh, you know, I, you know, considering that Alicia pretty much shut her out, I would expect the same kind of thing or from, from, uh, from Caressa. I, I think now it's interesting to watch Caressa's fights to see if her power catches up to her boxing still. Um, yeah. You know, she's obviously a great technician, but, but um, I would definitely not call her the biggest puncher in women's boxing. Um, no. Uh, speaking of but I think HBO. it's good, good things are happening for women's boxing because good things have never happened for women's boxing in, the, in this country in the past. And all of a sudden, with the streaming services, Amanda Serrano's deal at, at a, you know, on DAZN uh, to lead up to her eventually fighting Katie Taylor at the end of the year, um, the HBO telecast of the Hardy-Vincent fight, the Clarissa Shields and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, Cecilia fights on HBO. But I, but I got to tell you something that disappoints me a little bit, and, and, and this is frankly not – I'm not criticizing the athletes. Maybe a little bit I'm criticizing the network a little more. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think the matchups of Clarissa and Cecilia are so exceptional um, to be two out of the three fights on, a, on a, uh, a major HBO card in the final card in HBO's history. You know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm really happy as a real – fan and proponent of women's boxing to see mm-hmm. those two women fighting that night. But unfortunately, I wouldn't call either one of those matchups like, you know, I mean, most people in boxing don't know what a big-time matchup is for women. But I think that no. the people that do know wouldn't think of those two fights as big-time matchups. Can, can I ask you a question um, regarding HBO? Yeah, David, I think do you feel... David, your audio is, is coming in like, I don't think it's my phone, but there's something with your audio. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Um, uh, I, 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 want, I wanted to ask you a, a question. Right now, yeah. um, do you feel if HBO had jumped on the female fight wagon earlier, do you feel that could have helped them? Oh, I think that rather than reaching for, um, look, they, they made some good flyweight fights, but they're flyweight fights, and and they and they had some, some of them were great, but they were like. Superfly this and Superfly that, and there were a lot of other guys put on cards as favors to people. I mean, I don't want to—I I, I don't want to down HBO. I've worked there for a long time, and I think that there were budget constraints. I'm not blaming, blaming Peter Nelson or anybody, 
but they could have totally dominated women's boxing, put a great sensational female fight on every card, and really changed the world. And what they really did is they put Cecilia on in that, that first fight because a men's fight fell out, and they got the, the, the Heather fight for ten grand. And now the, the last fight in the history of HBO is going to be, you know, feature Caressa in one fight and Cecilia in another, and then that's the last of the boxing on HBO. I mean, they really, they really yeah. kind of created a niche and owned that niche. And, and, I, and I, yeah, and I think that was a missed opportunity, but I don't think they're the only people that missed an opportunity. I mean, I had offered right. the BBC Heather and, and, uh, and Shelly numerous times, and it wasn't a super expensive fight, and I thought it would have helped any of the shows, but, you know, they're really, you know, they're, they're, there's, there's not a lot of budget that um, promoters are willing to shift to boxing and not a lot of budget until boxing has a real platform for women and a real champion for women. And I think that, um, you know, in my conversations with Steven Espinosa in the last few days, you know, I think he understands that too, that, that he wants to make sure when he does that first women's card, it, it, it's worthy of, of, uh, of the network. Um, you know, I think you know this, David, but he had passed on the – the uh, Clarissa Shields fight against Hannah Rankin, and he passed on the fight right. with Herman because, because you know, he'd seen, literally, he was there when Alicia beat both of those winners. Um, and, 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 and he had a lot of money invested in that Hammer fight, and he didn't want to, you know, do any more sort of interim fights before Hammer. <laughs> but what, he has a great opportunity now. Amanda's uh, gonna. What, we, we've been trying. We, we, we were. We were. Amanda's coming down in weight because we were gonna fight for the 15 pound WBO right. title to get her a seventh weight class. But the woman has been injured. Um, now we're gonna find out in the next few days if the woman um, has to have uh, surgery, which would cause her to temp- have to vacate, or if, uh, if 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 the fight can happen in a month or two, in a few months, mm-hmm. we're gonna know that next week. Um, in the event that the title became vacated, uh, we'd look to make her for the 15-pound title of the BO, but against a, a, a you know a world-class top 15-pounder. Um, uh, but in more no, likelihood, not to, I think the greater. I'm sorry, go ahead, David. Not uh, not not to be a matchmaker, but Naoko Fujioka, the uh, the girl that has the five divisions, she's in LA. <laughs> she would easily jump in that 115 category to fight Amanda. Well, the, 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 we, we have an arrangement with the BO to fight. Um, we had an arrangement with the BO to, to, that, that we were going to go after that title. Um, you know, and, and if, if she's not seriously hurt, then Amanda will fight somebody else in January and fight the, the fight um, uh, with the BO 15-pound champion as her next fight. Amanda's going to fight three times in 2019. The, first, the third fight will be Katie Taylor. One of the first two fights will be um, wow. at 115 pounds. Wow, that's a great fight. The, the, part Katie of the Taylor. problem is you've got to go up from 115 pounds to 135 pounds to fight Katie. Now, Amanda's the, oh, that's incredible. the, uh, she's the queen of jumping and lowering weights, but, um, <laughs> you know, 115 to 135 is a, it's a, big, it's a big leap. Yeah, that's very dangerous. Uh, as a lot of fighters know, that dehydrate and it is a dangerous uh, thing to do. Well, but she's say, been doing it so far. 
I'm going to take an unsolicited right now moment to hype tomorrow night. Uh, Wilder Fury, Showtime, (laughs) um, pay-per-view. If you're in the L.A. area or you're driving distance, come to the Staples Center. There are still some tickets available. And uh, watch a great show and a great heavyweight fight. Okay, Lou. Uh, Did you have any questions, Felipe, before uh, Yeah, Yeah, Lou, uh, you know, you were were running HBO uh, Sports uh, years ago. What would have what would have been the reaction of the other people in the room if back then you would have mentioned that you wanted to put on a female fight on the airwaves? Um, it was rejected in those days, but I, but I got to tell you, if the same people were around now, I don't think it would have been rejected. Um, I think the one thing that would have been different about the card on in December is that um, I think the old regime would have thrown more money behind it and made like some kind of like real stellar matchup in the you know, among women, um, even if it costs uh, more money than anyone's paid before. Um, I, I think I, I know for, we, we, we weren't, they weren't willing to do women. You know, I, I remember I wasn't a big, there, there was a very weak talent pool 20 years ago. You got to remember that, you know, but there were some great women. Like I would have liked to have seen Lucia Riker on HBO in a great fight against another, you know, terrific woman fighter. But I guess the argument back then was, what does it lead to? Because there's nowhere else, no one else for her to fight. Which is, by the way, part of the problem that Clarissa Shields is going to face. Uh, when you get to the higher True. weights, the talent pool in women's boxing thins out. Exactly. Um, that's not her fault, you know. But you know what? It's going to get better because people are seeing Clarissa and Alicia and other women at that weight class as being able to, to be the kind of women that can generate money for a challenger and more women at those weights are emerging. And, and you know, a, a woman like Raquel Miller, she'll jump a weight class or two to get a shot at a Caressa or, or, or have that kind of fight. Um, I also want, want to mention another woman, by the way, I promote who's at a, uh, 135 pounds, but I want to mention her because I think she's an unbelievable talent and one of the best role models in all of boxing, and that's Tiara Brown, who's a full-time Washington, D.C. Uh, police yeah. officer in a huge community leader in the D.C. area, still a young woman and a, a terrific, terrific uh, leader in the D.C. community and really a great fighter. And, I, you know, she's another woman that I, I, I'd like to put on um, TV in 219. I, I think she can win a world championship right now, and she's only had around five or six fights. So, Lou, when you go into a room with uh, TV executives or other promoters, like let's say, for instance, the case here on the Wilder – Fury fight this Saturday night on Showtime pay-per-view. If you're in the L.A. area, go on and tickets still available. See, I'm, I'm plugging your show, Lou. Um, uh, when you're in the when you're in the uh, in the room, uh, what what do you sell as the upside of female boxing? How do you do it as a salesman to try to get these people to take a look at it's, female it's, boxing? It's, it's it's not very hard. I mean, it's proven. You know, men will watch women fight in a good fight. They'll watch it. Some of them will complain about it, but that's a very small minority, and frankly, fuck them. Um, you know, they complain about women. They complain about women lawyers and doctors too. Um, the 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 selling point is tremendous bang for the buck. You can buy a woman's unification bout for you know a fraction of what. Any man, you know, male title bout cost. And, and, and you could never make a unification between two of the best men in the world in boxing, you know, for less than, than, than uh, close to seven figures or multiple seven figures. 
and you could make a unification in women's boxing uh, for $150,000 or $200,000. And that's the best fighting the best. It's incredible bang for the buck. It also brings in another demographic, and boxing needs new demographics. We need younger demographics. We need more, we, we need more diverse demographics. You know, mm-hmm. I think that a women's boxing show that combines a reality, I don't want to say a reality element, a documentary element with female fights. Like, the women have amazing stories, David. You know this. And you guys both know oh, yeah. you, you talk to them and you write mm-hmm. about them. Their stories often are more compelling than the male fighters because they're, do, they're, they're not getting into it to get rich. You know, there's usually some impetus or something interesting that causes a woman to get that bug. I mean, look at a Heather Hardy. And, and, and by the way, a lot of these women have been victims of sexual abuse and rape and, and, and are seeking sort of self-esteem and, and seeking uh, empowerment. I think empowerment's the right word. And, and these women have great stories. A, a woman's network should embrace those stories and then, you know, highlight two women with interesting stories and then show them fighting each other. You know, there's a lot of different stuff that can happen. I think if Showtime goes through with this all-female card, it's a groundbreaking moment. So, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that good things are starting to happen for the, for the women out there that have paid their dues. I would like to see before she retires, and I know she's 39 years old, and the argument against her is where, I mean, where does she go from here? She's almost at the end of her career. But frankly, Layla McCarter deserves to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, Lou, you mentioned you mentioned that the networks can get a unification fight for a fraction of the cost of what a men's cost. Uh, but we've seen it in the UFC that Ronda Rousey was possibly the best paid fee- uh, fighter, fee- male or female, under their banner. Do you think, or how how long from now do you think that there'll be closer parity in pay for women? I don't want to dismiss the question, and it's a legitimate question, but it's simply never going to happen. It's not realistic. The women are not going to achieve some, any kind of equality in boxing. They're going to achieve fairness. You know, they haven't achieved equality. A women's football league wouldn't achieve equality. A women's baseball league wouldn't achieve equality. There are, you know, tennis is different, but even in tennis, the women aren't, aren't paid what the men uh, have been paid. Um, they're not going to achieve any kind of equality. What's happened in, in, in what ha- right now, there's, there has been a revolution in professional wrestling. The women are making more money than they've ever made, um, but they're not making money that the biggest male stars are making. And, and if you go to the UFC, the, this, there, you know, there's Ronda Rousey and there were Holly Holm and there have been some other women who have uh, Chris Cyborg and other women that have been highly paid. But, but the average woman, and, and don't make any mistake about it, not, you can't use Ronda Rousey as an example. You've got to use, you know, take the rest of those UFC pay-per-views and the televised shows and um, pull the women off those shows who are in household names, find out what they've been paid. You know, the, the point I'm making is not to criticize. I'm not criticizing MMA. I'm just sort of saying um, I get your question, but it's never going to be that way. Yeah, it, it seems like Ronda Rousey was the exception to the rule and not, not something that to look forward to. Well, I mean, Ronda Rousey was a star. She captured people's imagination. She was, you know, she had a package. She was marketed out the wazoo. She's now become a staple and a star in the, in the um, uh, you know, the WWE. I expect you'll see her eventually bounce back and forth maybe between MMA and WWE. I doubt you've seen her in the octagon for the last time. Maybe you have, I don't know. 
Um, but but she's an exception. She's not the rule. Guys, I have to jump right now. But thank you for having me. And, okay, uh, I, I'd like to. Thank you. I, I like to talk women's boxing, so I would love to be on the show in the future. So have a thank good you, night. Luke. We Absolutely. appreciate it. We, we'd like and to have hopefully, you. Hopefully, I'm going to see you. Hopefully, I'm going to see you guys tomorrow night at Wilder Fury at the Staples Center Showtime pay per view. There you go, okay, Lou Debella with us, Debella Entertainment. Thank you, Lou. And there you have it, Lou. Yeah. Always, always very frank and very open when talking about any aspect of boxing. I mean, I mean, he gave us a lot of insights, David. He gave us, you know, that definitely the third fight for Amanda Serrano in 2019 is going to be against Katie Taylor. Uh, he gave Fantastic. us this the scoop for the uh, female fight card that should be happening in the first trimester of 2019 and Showtime and some of the fights that could be happening there, which could be Franchon Cruz against Alicia uh, Napoleon, um, Mava Hamadouche against Ever Wallstrom. Uh, yeah, what was the other, yeah, the other fight that he mentioned, uh, Heather, uh, Heather, Heather Hardy, Hardy against Jelena Maranovic. And then you threw out there uh, Amanda Serrano against Naoko Fuyoka. I was going to mention to him if for that Showtime show, Raquel Miller against Maricela Cornejo, because I think Raquel Miller can make 154, and Cornejo is heading down to 154, and they've had it out a little bit on social media. So that would be a great fight. <laughs> so hopefully, if you see Lou on Saturday, give him my, my pick uh, for, for that uh, That's a good card. one. That's a good one, Felipe. Yeah. Now, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here and tell you right now, David, that the Amanda Serrano against Raja Amache fight, Raja Amache is the current WBO 115 pound title. That fight's not gonna happen. Raja Amache is not gonna well, fight Amanda Serrano. I, I figured that. Well, that's why I was mentioning Naoko Fujioka, who's one of the pound for pound best and fearless. She'll fight Amanda Serrano tomorrow. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, to me, it's like, why look everywhere else when you got this woman right there who has five weight division world titles yeah. against Amanda who has six weight division world titles. Yeah. Duke it out at 115, they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, no, I, 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 I agree. With, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, not only is it that, but it's Puerto Rico against Japan, something you don't see all the time. But, but <laughs> if, you know, if you know boxing in general, you know, Puerto Rican fighters and Amanda Serrano is all the way Puerto Rican. They have a way of fighting and Japanese fighters and Naoko Fuyoka is all the way Japanese fighter. They have a certain way of, of, of fighting. So there's no way that that fight is not an entertaining fight. And, and you have two women that are considered in the top pound for pound list of a lot of people. I mean, mm -hmm. pound for pound versus pound for pound. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Well, that's a fight that I believe needs to be made. I mean, the only thing that I think can stop that is if Lou DiBella or, or Jordan Maldonado, who, who takes care of Amanda Serrano's career, or Amanda Serrano, uh, one way or another, don't see it as something that could bring them money or prestige or enough uh, promotion for oh, them to want to do it. Because Naoko Fuyoka, as you mentioned, is willing to do it. And I, I, I could almost guarantee you that Raja Amashe nowhere near wants to do that fight. It, it's funny because uh, uh, Ben Lira is training Miyoko um, Fujioka. And if people know who Ben Lira is, he's the one that taught Mariana Wadis everything she, she knows. And mm -hmm. Amanda's been wanting to fight 
Mariana Juarez, but why not fight the girl who beat Mariana Juarez? And that's Miyoko Fujioka, which is a great fight. I mean, really yeah, so one of the best fights of the year. Well, let's see if that happens. And and I would imagine, being that he said that it would be on uh, that that could be the main event for that all female fight card. So I mean, he said he wanted four fights. So we got his four fights, David. I mean, he mentioned Cruz, Napoleon. Hamadouz, Wallstrom, oh, Heather Hardy, Mironovic, that's a tough fight to make because we know that Mironovic asked for a lot of money to come to the United States and fight. So if one of those fights falls off, then we got um, uh, Raquel Miller against Maricela Cornejo and then Nagokio Fuyoka against Amanda Serrano. I mean, that's a huge, huge fight card for female boxing and for Showtime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that card gets off the ground, it looks like it uh, based on what he's told me before and based on what Steven Espinosa has said before, because he's been in our show. He was he talked about that two years ago, but he mm-hmm. wasn't able to get that off the ground because, you know, he has commitments with the PBC and L. Heyman. But now it seems like everything's spread out because Heyman has this new agreement with Fox Sports, and he doesn't like women, but he there's more openings for Showtime. And now- because of that, the women are there. Now, the only curveball that could go for those four fights that we mentioned that we at, at the prizefighters.com and, and Two Minute Round will sign off on um, is that, um, that if Showtime will throw a curveball and say that Clarissa Shields needs to be included on that fight card, being that she's fought on the network before and she's basically the poster girl for Showtime. And the fact that yeah. she has fought on, on the zone before doesn't mean that she's leaving Showtime. Absolutely. That was just, it's, I mean, just the fact that she's fighting in HBO also this next week. Uh, yeah, I wonder how that it's works. Just I a one-time if, deal. Yeah, but I wonder if, it's a, if that's going to affect her uh, her uh, agreement with Showtime. Uh, no, the, supposedly um, um, they shopped it to Showtime first. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, the Spinoza just... turned it down. Yeah, yeah, he just turned it down. So I guess that gives them the. So I guess they have the right to first refusal, and then they could go ahead and try to sell the fight to somebody else. Exactly, exactly. Mm, okay. And well, well, there you go, Luke DeBella, and uh, on the show here. I mean, we had a ton of more questions. I had more questions for him, but you know, as expected in the traditional Luke DeBella way, he basically takes over the conversation. And uh, <laughs> and uh, but uh, that's. But that's great. That's great because he gave us a lot of insight. He told us about a lot of fights, and he basically gave us the scoops here that I'm, I'm sure people on, that listen to the show are going to go ahead and uh, salivate over. So going back to Clarissa Shields, David, and going back to the fight that she had against Hannah Rankin and the criticism that she received um, because she wasn't able to knock her out, I don't agree with the criticism, David. I think that Clarissa Shields, oh, no. as, you, as you mentioned, was looking for the knockout. She was, very, she was being very aggressive. Uh, scoring with uh, hard punches to the body and to the head and looking uh, and making combinations. But, you know, Hannah Rankin, I mean, I do agree with you that Shields is a, is above her in talent-wise. Obviously, she's above a lot of fighters talent-wise because uh, oh, yeah. she's so good. But Hannah Rankin is still a good fighter. She's still a world-class fighter. Okay. So so as, as, the, as the opponents for Shields begin to – uh, improve and get better and be better fighters. They're gonna, she's gonna have some trouble with them. And and one thing that Sergio Mora, who was one of the commentators, mentioned is that she hits mm-hmm. hard, but she might not be a power puncher. And we've seen that in the sport before. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, you know, it's funny to, uh, that Sergio mentioned that because Sergio was often criticized for not being a knockout puncher. But I do see a difference. I do see Clarissa basically uh, using her legs. It, it's real important that a knockout puncher uses their legs, and she wasn't doing that. She was using mostly shoulders and arms, and um, you, you need that leverage, and it cuts on the legs. And I, I could see it. I could see she was planting her legs, and she was pivoting more, uh, which is hard to explain on the air uh, yeah. without television. But she she has to pivot. It's kind of like when a pitcher pitches, you just don't throw with your arm. You gotta you, you gotta, gotta create that body. torque. You gotta create that exactly. torque with your with your waist and your upper body and your legs to torque the power into your arm into and into your opponent. That's gonna create more power. I mean, people that know boxing and follow boxing and know the mechanics of boxing are gonna understand exactly what you're talking about, David. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's something that Clarissa has to. To learn, I see. I see. I could see the learning experience. I saw it against Rankin, and I said, "Okay, now she's getting it. She doesn't have it yet, but she's getting it now." And I think she has a good, yeah, great teacher, great teacher in John David Jackson, a great fighter in his own right, and 154 pounder. Uh, So, so I think that this is, I think their second camp together, the Rankin fight. So I think the third is coming up against uh, Herman. So, so we should see a little bit more, even more improvement on December 8th from Clarissa Shields. Now, lastly, in our, in our, um, in our um, fight results, Tuesday, November 20th, in Japan, we had a, an all-female fight uh, card with the main event being for the interim WBA uh, 102-pound title, and that was won by Ayako Miyao, scoring a unanimous decision over Nao Ikayama. Uh, the scores there were 97-92 two times and 96-93. And speaking of the atom weight division, that's 102 pounds. And it's a, a division that is, that is uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, exclusive to female boxing. The 102-pound division doesn't exist in male boxing. Uh, the lowest you can go as a, as a male boxer is 105 pounds. But in female, being obviously that women are uh, slightly smaller uh, naturally than men, there is a smaller weight class, and it's 102 pounds. Um, and last September, we had an interim WBC Adam weight title fight uh, on the undercard of what was the main event there, David, in September uh, at the forum. It was um, – uh, what was the main event? I forget. But it was flyweights, right? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Estrada, I think. Estrada fought on that card. Yeah. Well, on that fight card, the female fight promoted by 360 Promotions, Todd Loeffler, was Brenda Flores of Tijuana against Australia's Luisa Lulu Haddon. Um, it was a controversial fight. Uh, decision, split decision. David was there. He saw Flores win. I wasn't there. I watched it on the stream. I saw Haddon win. So two judges had it for Flores. One had it for Haddon. Uh, and Flores was named the interim WBC Adam Waite champion. The title was vacant. The rematch was scheduled for December 8th at the StubHub Center, but just a couple of days ago, it was announced by Brenda Flores that she has a severe cold and a throat infection, which stops her from training full board as she needs to do for this fight. So she pulls out of the fight. 
It looks like they have found an opponent now for Haddon who continues on the card. Um, and now Flores' team, and along with Tom Loeffler, will look to make that rematch some, uh, sometime in the first trimester of 2019. A uh, date was mentioned between February and March, David. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, uh, Flores recovers and, and um, gets back on the beam. She's a very good fighter. I thought she was excellent in her first appearance with Houghton. Uh, she's a good counterpuncher. She was tagging her with white hands all day. And Houghton came, really roared back in the last half of the fight. And, and you know what? I feel bad for Hannah. We had her on the show here before. And um, I think mm-hmm. she just has run into a streak of bad luck. I mean, she 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 moved from Australia to, to the United States to, find, to look for better fights, being that Australia is not a big female boxing hub. While she while here she he hit the jackpot by meeting uh, Grant Elvis Grant Phillips the the namesake of Grant Boxing Gloves and he became her co-manager or manager co slash co man co trainer which was great because that's a, a big support for her she signs to 360 promotions by Tom Loeffler also great but in her first fight after about a two year hiatus she gets matched up against the very tough, all, all already mentioned on here, Anaí Torres, and loses that fight. No doubt that she lost that fight, David, right? Absolutely. She, yeah. She lost so then she, fight. yeah, she comes back and fights at the Avalon against uh, Elvia Trevino, which is a, uh, you know, bounce back fight. And then she fights Brenda Flores with the, and she loses with a uh, controversial split decision. We could get into more of that being that the fact that Brenda Flores didn't make weight, she was half a pound over, she was still allowed to fight for the title. So whatever, WBC allowed her, it is what it is. So a little bit more of bad luck. Now she gets ready. She wants a rematch. She she gets the date. She gets the champion to agree, which is kind of tough to do because once the champion wins, she could go. One thing that they like to do is to defend in their hometown. Brenda Flores did fight in her hometown a couple of weeks ago, but it wasn't a defense. But she ended up fighting, so she was able to fight as a champion in her hometown, but she didn't defend her title. So she gets the uh, the rematch, and then Brenda Flores pulls out because she gets sick. So hopefully, Hodden's luck starts turning a little bit, David. Yeah, yeah. I, you got to feel for her. She's a very enthusiastic uh, uh, fighter, and, um, you know, she's a mom, too. And uh, mm-hmm. she came Big to America to get, you know, yeah, she came to America to get bigger, better fights, but it's kind of like what uh, Layla McCarter just recently told me uh, a couple of days ago. She goes, fighters come from other places to meet better fighters, and that's where you, you're going to find them in America, she says. You don't, mm. Americans don't go over there to fight better yeah. fighters. They, everybody comes here. So, good I mean, point. She had to expect to fight better fighters. Yeah, good point. And, and now her appointment for uh, Saturday December 8th is going to be Lorraine Villalobos, who obviously is a late, late, uh, late opponent. She's from, uh, the, she's from LA, I believe from the United States. Yeah. And she's, she's coming mm-hmm. in with a record of two wins, one loss, no knockouts. She fought Elvia Trevino, beat her twice. And then she lost to Monica Flores at the uh, quiet Canyon, uh, in Montebello, a majority decision. And now she's going to be fine. Luisa Haddon, obviously not at the level of a Luisa Haddon, but at this point, short notice, you know, there's really not much you can do. Um, so that's what, 
has gone down. Now, another thing that I want to touch and Debella um, touched it as well is that today, David, on um, on uh, Twitter, Amanda Serrano posted, and I'm going to quote here, had to ask, she was actually, it, it was a video of her training uh, MMA. We all know that she switched over to MMA earlier this year. Her first fight was a draw, and her, she won her second fight. And she has gone on, she has come on the show here, and she has been very vocal on other outlets about how she doesn't get the respect that she deserves in boxing after winning six titles in six different divisions. Um, she doesn't get the pay that she thinks she deserves, and that's why she has switched over to MMA. But she added today, and obviously Debella touched on in the interview earlier today, she adds, and I quote, had to add some kicks at the end of my boxing bag day. I'm an MMA fighter first, now boxer second. And uh, a quotation, uh, an uh, exclamation point. 30 minutes of kicking is six times five-minute rounds. 2019 will be my last boxing year. I was going to quit, but got a great deal from Eddie Hearn and The Zone, so I'm sticking it out for one final year. And she also tags Lou DeBella in that statement. And Lou DeBella actually 10 minutes ago stated that she's going to fight three times in 2019, presumably all of them on The Zone, with one of them being for the WBO 115-pound title. Looking to fight Raja Amashe, but Lou DeBella says that Raja Amashe, who is the current champion, hurt herself. So now we're seeing if she needs to get some surgery. If she does have to get surgery, that title is going to get vacated. And then they will look for a new opponent. My co-host here, David Avila, has thrown in Naoko Fuyoka's name into the hat. I don't know how much authority he has to do that, but he did it anyways. And um, uh, Or if not, then we'll see what <laughs> I happens. I spoke to her yesterday. Yeah. And Katie and, and Bell also gave us the exclusive that the third fight of that agreement would be against Katie Taylor. So one fight that we can look forward to in 2018 is going to be Amanda Serrano against Katie Taylor at a site to be named at 135 pounds, David. That's an incredible fight. That fight yeah. is worth uh, – I mean, if you're a fan of female boxing, that's the fight to look forward to. I think that's, we're going to have to make a trip, David. We're going to have to make a trip, whether it's New York, Absolutely. whether it's out of – I don't think it's going to be in Ireland or England. I don't think, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Amanda <laughs> Serrano says she's willing to travel. And, you know, have you been out there, David, to the UK? Uh, no, I've never been there. I've been all over Europe, but not the uh, UK. Yeah, I've been, I've been to, uh, not to Ireland, but I've been to England. Great, great country. So I wouldn't mind going back, especially for this, but we'll see. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but great scoops from, from Lou DiBella. Now let's move on, David, to, uh, unless you got any news and notes that you want to share with us. Uh, nothing that I haven't said already. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to, how long is Puyoka going to be here in the United States? I mean, I know she might be, uh, I mean, not to get into her, uh, um, you know, visa, but she, I don't know. I mean, I, what, what's a visa? 90 a days as a tourist? Okay, okay. Uh, so no, is it... she, she'll be a couple of more weeks. A couple of more weeks. Okay, okay. I would suspect that you could do a 90-day tourist visa, but, I don't, but you still you can't fight legally. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So she's going to be here for a couple more weeks, and uh, she's being trained by Ben Lira as we – you went out there to the gym and saw the training, David? Uh, yes, I saw her yesterday. Uh, I posted a little bit on Instagram, and uh, she looks very good. She is hard. She's a hard-hitting girl. And is she uh, she sparring anybody that we might know? 
you know, it's funny, but uh, she was supposed to spar with Louisa Loughton, but they decided against that. Yeah, Houghton she's decided big. against sparring with uh, yeah. Naoko. And then they actually suggested Naoko jump in and fight uh, Houghton when uh, her first opponent dropped, but no, that's they ditched that. Yeah, but Houghton is too small, too small for for Fuyoka. Now another thing that that has come up, and it, in one way it's sad, but another way it's also a happy occasion for the reason. But it was announced, uh, I think it was last week, that the former 118 pound WBO champion and she was a champion. What are Kalisha West retired officially uh, from? professional boxing and the reason she's retired is because she is with child she's going to be a mother um so sad that she's retiring but happy because of the reason why she's retiring so we want to send her a big hug and a big congratulations to Kalisha West uh for her uh pending uh baby on the way I think it's going to be a boy it's more than it... That. It, it was it was more than that too it was not just a, a pregnancy what happened is that she suffered a an injury during sparring and a severe back injury, and she saw a doctor, and um, they she they were recommending surgery if she was going to fight still, but they still said that it wouldn't be a guarantee. And yeah. uh, she and because uh, they they asked her to to stop taking uh, meds, then she suddenly became pregnant. And um, oh. <laughs> but she decided, you know what, uh, all these things put together, I should retire. Yeah, you know what, you're right, David. I did read your piece on her, a great piece on com, and you did mention that, um, but it kind of slipped my mind, but you're right. It was a combination of, of of the back injury, the pregnancy, and obviously in the last four to five years, of her career hadn't gone the way that she expected. A lot of starts and stops, couldn't really find a a promoter to really support her and and keep her busy, and, you know, there's other things in life than boxing, although we try, to, we 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 sometimes forget it. And and she went in that direction, and we're happy for her. She seems very happy. I follow her on social media, and uh, I don't think she has any regrets. I think she did everything that she wanted to do in boxing. Now, obviously, she wanted to do more, but she became a world champion. She defended that title numerous times, and I think you can't ask for anything more from a female fighter like Kalisha West. Yeah, and I think we'll see her in the boxing game, uh, but not as a fighter, but probably uh, you'll see her in the boxing game. You know, and now that I think about it, and the way that Kalisha West is and the kind of fighter that she is, and touching on something that Luke DeBella mentioned about what women have to do to fight and the stories that they have, you know, one time that she needed to defend her title, she ended up foregoing a purse. She... She ended up yeah. not getting paid so that she could give her whole purse to Ava Knight in the rematch and the sanctioning fee so that she could keep her title and she fought for free. And she ended up fighting Ava Knight to a draw and she kept the title. So that's some of the things that women need to do, sometimes need to do, is that the promoter told her there's only X amount of money for your fight and that X amount of money only covered the sanctioning fee and the purse for Ava Knight. And there wasn't any money left over for Kalisha West, so she had to fight for free so that she could keep that title. Something that I don't think a man has ever had to do, ever, if not at least in the last, I don't know. To keep a title, I don't see any man fighting for free. They'll rather they'll relinquish it. 
Yeah, that's very sad, but she was very proud of that title. Yes. And, uh, I remember that day, and it was, it was a sad day. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I think I spoke to her once. I, I didn't go to the fight. It was in, I think, Pico Rivera, Pomona or something like that. Yeah. I think it was Pico mm-hmm. Rivera. But I spoke to her afterwards. I spoke to her afterwards, and, and she was happy, obviously, because she kept the title. It was a tough fight against Ava Knight, but she was sad about the way that she had to come about getting that fight. So, so, but other than that, Kalisha West, you know, big thanks to her for her career. And we wish her all the best with her upcoming uh, uh, events that she might have in her life. Now to end the show, David, I don't even know how much time we have. Uh, We got about 20 minutes. So let's go on and do the upcoming calendar for the next couple of weeks. Our next show is scheduled for December 13th, which will be, Quite possibly the last show of the year. We'll be talking about the year in general, possibly giving our our picks for the year. If not, we'll wait for the first show of 2019 to do that, so that way we can have the whole year already done for, and we can talk about that. But let's talk about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. On Saturday, December 1st, this Saturday, from Santa Fe, Argentina, Victoria Noelia Bustos goes against Enis Pacheco for the vacant IBF 140-pound title. Argentina always strong with female boxing. And from Quebec, Canada, on the undercard of the Showtime card that's happening out there with Adonis Stevenson against uh, Daniel Grafnik in the main event, we have Chris Namus going against Maria Eve Dicari in a 10-rounder for the IBF 154-pound title, and also on December 1st, but in Japan, on Osaka, Kayoko Ibata goes against Etsuko Taza in a 10-rounder for the WBO strawweight title. There's also four more female fights on that card. That's an all-female fight card in Osaka, Japan. Their second one in about a month out there in Japan. They love their female fighting out there in Japan, David. They do, but but sadly, they're not televised. That's they're the not televised. Part. Oh, my God. Radovanovic 
in a 10-rounder for the vacant IBO 112-pound title, and also in Ardui, Belgium, Delphine Persoon, the current WBC 135-pound champion, considered one of the top 10 fighters in the world, faces off against Sandy Saguris in a 10-rounder. And the thing about Persoon, we talked about it here before, obviously the fight to to be made there is against Katie Taylor, who holds two titles at 135 pounds, but Pursun just doesn't leave Belgium, David. Yeah, and she's fighting somebody I think who started as a, what, a 122-pounder? Yeah. So, yeah, and it it was almost, a couple years ago, it had come to the point where Pursun might have been retiring because she had suffered an injury to her hand, and she was going to get, she got surgery, and if it turned out good, great, and if it didn't, she was going to retire. Well, obviously, it turned out good because she keeps fighting, but you know, I don't understand that. I mean, I mean, she's a world champion. She needs to be challenged. Uh, another thing, too, is where is the WBC here and requiring her to fight some uh, mandatories? I mean, she pretty much fights whoever she wants. Yeah, it's it's horrible that they allow her to do that. So, well, I mean, they allow it on the male side, too. I mean, Donna Stevenson, I mean, she, he is in a fight this Saturday, but for the last three years, he never fought his, his uh, mandatory, who was Eladir Alvarez. He ended up going to another sanctioning body, and he knocked out the champion, uh, Sergi Kovalev. So, yeah, so so there you have it. Um, also, on December 8th, David, from Nogales, Mexico, Promisiones del Pueblo, gives us on Televisa, Lourdes, La Pequeña Lulu Juarez, the younger sister of Mariana La Barbie Juarez against uh, a fighter to be named, but more than likely they're going to find for her find somebody for her to fight. She's a big star in Mexico, and it looks like she may be fighting Actually, I believe that they mentioned there that after this fight, she would become uh, a high contender to um, challenge Yvette La Roca Zamora early in 2019. They're both with the same promoter. Both of them are highly supported by the WBC, so that fight can be expected. And that's going to be a good fight. We're going to really see what Lourdes La Pequeña Lulu Juarez is made of. We've seen her beat some fighters that maybe – we're going to good give her a fighters. good fight. Yeah, and she beat him handily. She knocked out Noemi Bosque, something that not just anybody can do. She beat Diana La Bonita Fernandez. She's beating some other fighters. So she's so she's she's going to be a test for La Roca Zamora. I think it's going to be a good fight. And lastly... Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, hopefully it happens in the first three months, the first trimester of 2019. And lastly, on the, how great of a card they would be, I just got off course a little bit, if they make that fight, and they make it as a semi-main event for Mariana Juarez against Jackie Nava if that fight goes down. That would be great. Oh, that would be fantastic. That would, yeah. I would probably travel for that, too. Uh, and from the <laughs> StubHub Center in Carson, California, 360 promotions gives us an HBO on December 8th. Cecilia Brekus against Alexandra Lopes for all the marbles in a 10-rounder, IBF, IBO, WBC, WBA, WBO, 147-pound title, and Clarissa Shields against Femke Hermans for the WBC, IBF, WBA, 160-pound title, and also on that card, although not televised, Lorraine Villalobos against Luisa Haddon was going to be Brenda Flores, but the champ, interim champion, Brenda Flores, pulled out because of a... Um, of a severe cold and throat infection. David, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a hint of who my, 
fighter of the year is going to be for 2018. Basically, she's in the main event on December 8th on HBO. Uh, you know what? Uh, mine is on the same card. I don't know if yours is mine, but... but well, no, uh, because I have, yours... Uh, somebody I don't think... I don't think yours is the main event, is she? No. Ah, David, David, David. Well, we'll talk about that either December 13th or <laughs> on the first show of the two-minute round in 2019 because that's going to get heated because I got, I got, I'm going to make a strong case for the main eventer to be the fighter of the year. I'm sure you're going to make a strong case for the other fighter uh, to be the fighter of the year, but we're going to talk about it. But, David, anything else before we go? Uh, no, uh, I just want to say that I hope uh, I see people either at the Staples Center on Saturday or at the StubHub the following week. I will be there to and hopefully to see some great matches and um, and a very uh, good uh, weekend to everybody. There you go. Well, we want to thank our guest, Lou DiBella. We urge you to visit com where you can read all about all-female boxing, and we'll be back here on the two-minute round on December 13th. Thank you very much, and have a great night. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.